Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio. Your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from guillotineleagues.com, here's your host, Paul Charchian. It is a championship edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. We're here to get you ready to bring home the hardware or bring home the bacon. Whichever is better to you. I'd rather have bacon, have bacon over than... hardware any day. Really? Yeah. Depends on the hardware, maybe. Hardware. Uh, one of those cool trophy smack trophies. I, I might want the hardware. Yeah, that's cool. Would the you bacon. rather go to a hardware store or a bacon store? I, I kind of like hardware, I'll be honest. I, I kind of like kinda hardware stores, about, too. I like, I like a, hardware stores. A trophy smack <laughs> trophy filled with bacon. Now we're talking. We're going to bring home uh, hardware bacon belts, and maybe. bacon. Yeah. That's going to be us. Fantasy Football Weekly. I'm Paul Chargy, and my co-hosts today are Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson. As always, we will give you nine players upon whom you can take a chance, because with all the injuries here at this late stage of the season, you've got injury issues. We're here to help you. And... We will also have the answer to three tough questions, some of them forward-looking as we head into the offseason. And as a programming reminder, this is our last full, over-the-air, two-hour style show, but Fantasy Football Weekly continues every week of the year. Shorter, generally, shows in the offseason. So stop what you're doing right now. And subscribe to Fantasy yes. Football Weekly on your favorite podcast platform or all of the podcast platforms <laughs> because it helps our numbers it. go up and, you know, auto-download those suckers. Let's, yeah, let's get those I'll numbers skyrocketing. Please, if it's, yeah. not, if it's not too much trouble. Exactly. Thank you very much. We'll break down every game, Fantasy Football Weekly style, with letter grades on every player. And we begin. Brian, Indianapolis Colts taking on the New York Giants. For the Colts, they come hobbling in. At the end of a brutal season, and now take on a Giants team that's motivated to try to salvage its playoff aspirations. Any Colts that you're willing to start here? Uh, a couple, but uh, most Colts should be uh, put out to pasture. Or mm, well said, <laughs> sent to the something, glue factory. Something worse. Than hey Brian, that. why the long face? <laughs> I get that. That's a cult joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a long face for Zach Moss, though. <laughs> I don't know. He's got I a short face. 
Hey, I'm giving him a C. Uh, I've I've stuck with Zach Moss. Was our boy charged, but you gave up on him last week. So you you can't can't come to this donkey show. (laughs) Fine, I don't want to be at this donkey show. Uh, Zach Moss, just to see, the Giants are allowing the third most rushing yards per game to opposing running backs, 119. That is a lot. And it looks like Moss will be handling the bulk of the Colts' carries for the remainder of this dreadful season for them. Um, Dion... Jackson kind of put himself in the, unfortunately not the no, horse house, but the dog yeah, house I, last week. And I don't know why. So uh, it's the Zach Moss show. So he, just to see for him, but temper your expectations, of course. And just to see for Michael Pittman, if cornerback Adoree Jackson sits for the Giants, and if he does, it will be his sixth straight game. I'm benching Pittman if Jackson sits, uh, if Jackson plays, excuse me. But if Jackson sits, it looks like it's going that way. Uh, I will give Pittman the C despite... Nick Foles at quarter, uh, quarterback for the Colts, who, by the way, is on the bench. That should be no shocker, as mm-hmm. is Alec Pierce. He looked awful. Paris Campbell, yeah. Give Sam Ellinger an, another shot. We know what Nick Foles is, and he's... Yeah, and, he's, we, and we know Matt Ryan's retiring one week from today. I would rather, like, start the, the statue of Nick Foles outside of uh, the Eagles stadium than the actual Nick Foles, but... Uh, and Jelani Woods, lastly, for the Colts, uh, he's on the bench, emerging as the team's top tight end. Hopefully next year he gets treated as such. But Kylan Granson, Mo Cox still stealing snaps and targets, so that's a mess. Woods is on the bench. Over to the Giants side, Saquon Barkley definitely not on the bench. Over their last four games, the Colts have allowed 174 combo yards and 10 total touchdowns to mm. opposing running backs. Should be a smash spot for Saquon. Yep. He gets an A. Who hasn't missed a game this year, by the way? Nor has Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, Knocks on wood, they don't get hurt. Uh, no Everyone's kidding. like, these guys are going to miss a collective 10 games this year. They're so injury prone. So much for that. Uh, a for Barkley. And I'm going to uh, throw a couple C darts at Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodges. Oh, I like to call those harpoons. Where, where's, where are they? Where are those harpoons? Hit Matt with one for me. Ow! Thank you. Uh, C for both of those guys. Over their last three games, the Colts have surrendered six wide receiver touchdowns and three different rece- receivers have topped 100 yards during that same span. So Slayton and Hodges, if you're desperate, they get a C. Daniel Bellinger was close to giving him a C, uh, the tight end, of course, for the Giants, but he is on the bench. But Daniel Jones is not. Give him a C. I mean, the Colts are beyond cooked. So unfortunately for Jones, this doesn't feel like a, a, a it has the same shootout potential as the Vikings game yeah. did last week. But uh, Jones, always a threat on the ground. He's fifth in rushing yards and fourth in rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks. The Colts haven't faced many mobile quarterbacks with Jalen Hurts, Taylor Heineke, and Trevor Lawrence totaled four rushing touchdowns in their collective three games. So I think Jones gets one through the air and hopefully gets one on the ground as well. He's seaworthy. Yeah, that, makes him, that makes him startable. I didn't know there was a Nick Foles statue. Yeah, they, they did it. It was the the, uh, <laughs> the Philly special, like when the when uh, did they Peterson show catching a ball? No, it was. Or? It's like Doug Peterson like telling Nick Foles to run the Philly special. They That's made a the statue. They made a statue of, of that. Nick Foles. It's Nick Foles and Doug Peterson talking, T- telling each other secrets. Like, That's so weird. Yeah, the Eagles are. See, okay, Philadelphia is a the weird. Lesson, it's the all lesson weird. here is: do not get so caught up in the excitement of your championship that you. Put down a statue you can't really ever take down. Well, if the Vikings manage to win one, I can only imagine the statues that are going to go up all over the state. They're going to be everywhere. There's going to be four statues in my driveway, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) New Orleans takes on Philadelphia, Matt. Uh, For the New Orleans defense is coming out nicely. The offense, though, remains 
pretty inconsistent here. Is there anybody you like against a very tough Philadelphia defense? I don't like a lot. We'll start with Alvin Kamara, who missed practice on Wednesday and Thursday with a non-injury-related personal thing. Then he completely cleared his Instagram page of all Saints stuff, and head coach Dennis Allen said, I'll let Alvin explain himself. He didn't explain himself practiced in full on Friday. All this adds up to off-season stuff, but he's probably going this week. Uh, He's seen at least 20 rushing attempts in each of the last two weeks. He's facing a Philly defense that's kind of middle in the pack in every running back metric, so that adds up to a B grade. If he's not active for some crazy reason, his backup is David Johnson. Yes, that That David Johnson. Johnson. Uh, And he's pretty much the only other healthy running back on that roster, so if Kamara was inactive, David Johnson would get a C grade here. Yeah, the the catch is when Jordan Davis is in the game, yeah. the Philadelphia run defense is good, and now he's back and healthy. So I, I'm, I remain very skeptical. And I think at this point, Alvin Kamara has earned all the skepticism. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Olave has been limited this week with a hamstring injury after missing last week. I don't think I'd start a half-healthy Olave in a tough matchup against Philly. The Eagles have allowed the fourth fewest yards to wide receivers this year. Rashid Shahid was the only Saints wide receiver to catch a pass last week, which means all the passing game is really on the bench. That includes Taysom Hill and Andy Dalton. And why do I lump them together? Yeah, why do you lump them together? Dalton was the only quarterback to play last week, but was on the field for 72% of the snaps. That's That's really weird. Brian correctly predicted a... uh, something once thought unpredictable thing that Taysom, Taysom Hill would have a good yeah. game. Yeah, he's reverse Russian roulette most weeks. Yeah. But, uh, last week. Uh, problem with playing any of these guys, though, guard Andrews Pete and tackle Ryan Ramchek both look like they may miss this game, too. Uh, on the Eagles side, Jalen Hurts, limited in practice Thursday, got first-team reps ahead of Gardner Minshew, then was downgraded to doubtful on Friday. But believe it or not, this is probably actually a good thing if you want to start an Eagles quarterback because I think there was a very good chance that if Hertz was active, he'd be a first half. They wouldn't run him, and Gardner Minshew would be in in the second half. So we're probably seeing Minshew the whole game. I'll give Minshew a B grade here. Uh, Downgraded a little bit because left tackle Lane Johnson out for the remainder of the regular season. Still... Last week, Minshew managed 355 and two scores plus a rushing touchdown against a much better Cowboys defense. If Hertz is a surprise active, I don't think we can trust him for more than a few series. Miles Sanders gets an A. Saints are allowing 132 combo yards to the position. That almost all goes to Sanders. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, I'm going to give both of them A grades here. Wow. Uh, it doesn't even matter if it's Hurts or Minshew. Both will see targets and yards. Each have topped 100 yards in three of the last four games. That includes last week with Minshew. And the Saints are middle of the road against the wide receiver position and probably without Marshawn Lattimore this week, mm. who's been limited all week with an abdomen injury. Last guy, Dallas Goddard, he saw three targets last week. Caught all three of them for 67 yards. In his return, he was on the field for 94% of the snaps. He's totally fine from a health standpoint. Problem is, the Saints are the best tight end defense in the league. They've only allowed 31 yards per game to the position and two total tight end touchdowns on the season. So it's just a C for Dallas Goddard. All right. You know, those uh, all through much of the get Dallas Goddard starts earlier in the season, Devonta Smith was very, very inconsistent. But last week, it was all Devonta Smith. So yeah. we'll see how that plays out. And if can Gardner Minshew feed three different players or not? We'll see. The final matchup of this segment, Washington takes on Cleveland. We'll start on the Cleveland side where Nick Chubb gets his lowest ranking of the year. In the four Deshaun Watson games, 
No Cleveland runner has scored a touchdown and none have topped 100 yards. And the Commanders are a brutal matchup, allowing the fifth fewest rushing yards. Only Derrick Henry has topped 87 rushing yards against Washington all year long. And he got the ball 28 times in that game. That's how Derrick Henry topped 87 rushing yards. I can only give you a C grade on Nick Chubb. Amari Cooper is healthy enough to go here. And he has languished badly with Deshaun Watson as well. Cooper's matchup is sensational if Benjamin St. Juice, starting cornerback for Washington, misses this game, because that would set him up against rookie Christian Holmes on the right side, who has given him a perfect passer rating through three career games. But if St. Juice goes, you may want to consider benching Amari Cooper outright. This is an away game and something that Brian picked up on around midseason. Cooper averaging just three catches for 47 yards in road games, and he has scored in just one of seven road games this year. So a tricky spot for Amari Cooper. C grade if Benjamin St. Juice goes, and bench grade if he doesn't. All the non-Cooper parts of the passing game are all dead because Deshaun Watson has murdered his receivers. Just two passing touchdowns in four games, which is awful. He has failed to top 161 passing yards in three of his four starts. Kareem Hunt's on the bench. He's been totally ineffective this year. And David Njoku, the only other Cleveland player you might think about playing, has also struggled under Watson, even with decent volume. The commanders were just thrashed by George Kittle for 120 yards and two scores. But prior to that, they'd only given up three tight end touchdowns all season. And I just don't I don't trust Deshaun Watson to write the ship here. Hopefully you don't have to rely on David Njoku. I'm giving him a bench grade. Let's go to the Washington side. I'm very enthusiastic about Brian Robinson in this matchup. I thought you were going to say about Carson Wentz. That's kind No, of- but I, I am kind of excited <laughs> about Carson Wentz. And you know what? Let's start with Carson Wentz. I am excited because here's the thing. We don't really care about the turnovers. Maybe it's minus two points in your league. Don't care. Wentz gives you upside, passing upside, point upside that Heineke never did. And I like that part of it. You'll recall Wentz played five full games to start the season Three of them were monster games, over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. His two bad games were against awesome pass rush defenses, the Eagles and the Cowboys. Cleveland is nothing like that. The Cleveland secondary looks okay on paper, but for most of the season, they've played bad quarterbacks and an Arctic game last week. This is your championship underdog dart throw player is Carson Wentz. I mean, if you're looking at your, if you're looking at the projections and you're down wow. by twenty, and you look at Carson Wentz, half his games are three hundred yards and, and multiple touchdowns. This is the guy. Try you could try Carson Wentz in, in an if you are in a desperation need at quarterback. Yeah, he doesn't even have a statue outside of the Eagles. <laughs> That's a great point. They never gave him. We've thing. got a handful of desperation quarterbacks coming up in this show too. We'll talk more about yeah. those guys as we go on. And I, people need quarterback help. Again, yeah, I I think the number is around twelve starting quarterbacks not going this week. It's ridiculous. Uh, or previously starting. Uh, okay, so now let's talk about Wentz's receivers. If I like Wentz, and by the way, be great on Wentz, uh, then I, I got to have some reasonable expectations for his receivers. Let's start with Terry McLaurin, who's been super consistent no matter the quarterback, going all the way back to Wentz's start at the beginning of the year. Cornerbacks Denzel Ward and Martin Emerson will have a negative impact probably over the last five weeks. They've been very good, combining for four receptions and 49 yards per game allowed. That's combined. Those are the outside cornerbacks that'll be trying to guard Terry McLaurin, but they have given up some touchdowns. 
Um, also a concern is Jahan Dotson eating into his target share. Jahan Dotson, all, by the way, C-grade and McLaurin. C-grade on Dotson as well, who has scored in three straight games and his volume exploding on this one. He also is running on the outside. He's got that, the same Ward-Emerson combo of cornerbacks against him. It's a roughly neutral matchup, um, but still startable in a pinch. You could try him. And again, the upside Carson Wentz brings helps Dotson as well. A C-grade for him. Um, Curtis Samuel, I've vacillated on, but ultimately have left him on the bench. Incredibly low volume for two months. Some signs of sparks of life lately, including a touchdown reception from Carson Wentz at the end of last week's game. And his Wentz games at the start of the season were promising. He averaged 66 yards per game in weeks one through five. But what got me ultimately on the bench grade for Curtis Samuel, who runs from the slot almost entirely, Cleveland is allowed the second fewest fantasy points to slot receivers. So Curtis Samuel, just a volatile dart throw player. And that is it. Let's go to the the final guy to mention here, Brian Robinson. I was going to start with him because I'm very excited about him here. Now, no back top 60 rushing yards in the six-game Wentz. Six games Wentz was under center to start the season, but Robinson only played two of those games, and he scored in one of them. In the last seven games, the Browns have allowed 11 running backs of at least 55 yards and or a touchdown, and they rank 27th in rushing yards, 30th in rushing touchdowns allowed to running backs, and Antonio Gibson isn't going I've got a strong B grade on Brian Robinson. Almost gave him an A grade, but couldn't quite get there. B grade, Brian Robinson. When we come back, nine players upon whom you can take a chance. It's our final take a chance on me of the entire NFL season. Stay tuned. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. starting lineup these are all guys that could potentially power you to the bacon inside of the hardware we're going to help you bring it home we begin at the quarterback position matt harrison i'm uncomfortable with the bacon inside the, the hardware. hardware well do you want the hardware inside the bacon i mean yeah. how does that work can't, can't we just like bacon. line them up side by side let's just keep them separate we can bring them both home but... you can wrap jalapenos and have bacon wrapped jalapenos with the cream cheese inside but Why that's not you hardware that your hardware i mean he could can you wrap, wrap a hammer i don't know um teddy bridgewater looks set to start for miami two is in the concussion protocol for the second time this year, which we all know means that he's had at least his third concussion now. And by the way, those three fourth quarter picks against Green Bay last Oof. week, that would really explain how bad those were. It looked like a guy who couldn't see straight. So if we get Bridgewater, I think we see an accurate dink and dunk style, not so dissimilar to Tua. Last time we saw Teddy, he threw for 329 and two scores against the Vikings. Now, the Pats are a little bit better against the, the pass than the Vikings are, but they've been pretty weak against the pass as of recent. In the last five weeks, no team has allowed more passing scores than the New England Patriots 11, and they've allowed the fifth most passing yards in that time, and he's got maybe the two fastest wide receivers in the NFL in Tyreek Hill and mm-hmm. Jalen Waddle. Teddy doesn't have to be special. Just get the ball in the hands of his playmakers. Brian, you're taking a chance at me quarterback. I'm going with uh, slamming Sammy Darnold at Tampa mm, Bay. You don't in sound a, so good about this. A, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk oh, about gosh. this game a little. Well, it's Sam Darnold, but hey, Darnold, one touchdown, at least one touchdown in each of his four starts since uh, taking his job back. It was basically given to anyone that owned a playbook, and he was the last guy standing, I think. But uh, Darnold's added two rushing scores on the ground as well during those last four games. And in the one game, and one of the games he didn't score on the ground, he ran for 30 yards. So he's basically giving you two touchdowns a game. The Bucks blanked Trace McSorley last week, but that was to be expected. In their two games prior, Joe Burrow threw for four scores. Brock Purdy had two passing touchdowns a game before that. The Bucks could be without two starting corners, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, two starting safeties, Antoine Winfield and Mike Edwards. Mm. Vita Vea could miss this game. Carl Nassib, their best linebacker, arguably their best linebacker, is doubtful to play. So I'm going with Sam Darnold, who's he's looking all right. And, uh, well, he looked it'll... pretty good handing off the ball last week, that's for he, sure. He did, but again, at least one passing touchdown in every game. He had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown last game. And for what it's worth, I uh, didn't play in the first meeting against Tampa this season, but they, he last saw them in Week 18, threw for two touchdowns last year. So Sam Darnold, why not? Jared Goff had a quiet game against the Bears last time they played, but that was a while back. And since then, he's attempted at least 37 passes in every game. And that kind of volume has helped lead to multiple touchdowns in four of the past five games for Jared Goff. I love his matchup with Amon Ra St. Brown as the Bears are in a real pinch with Kendall Vildor and Jalen Johnson out. That means they've shifted their slot cornerback Kyler Gordon to play outside. The whole secondary is a mess in Chicago. Jared Goff sitting on potentially a very nice game. Uh, We hit the over. 
Charch mentioned Kindle Vildor 22 and a half times. Yay. (laughs) This year. Yeah. (laughs) Let's go to the running back position, Matt. Uh, I'm I'm bummed that we took off the Bam Bam button because uh, I got Bam Bam Zonovan Knight uh, ready to go. Last week, the Jets couldn't get anything going against the Jaguars. Let's blame the up-and-coming Jags D and Zach Wilson. Michael Carter did out-snap Knight last week but had zero touches, and the Jets kind of packed it in early. Mike White starting this week. The offense has fared much better with White. Zonovan hasn't been held under 13 PPR points in games where Mike White starts, Mm. and Knight faces a struggling Seattle run defense. Seattle gave up 128 total yards to the Chiefs running backs last week. Uh, 202 and 1 to the Niners the week before. 223 and 2 to the Panthers backs the week before. Zonovan Knight, fire him up. Yeah, I love I love that angle. Uh, Brian, your take a chance on your running back. I've got Houston's Royce Freeman at home against the Jaguars. Wait, Royce, drop the piano Freeman? Oh, I'll be nice. He's looked okay. I mean, uh-huh. as far as the Texans running, he's no Damian Pierce. Well, know God, that, no, but, nobody uh, is. Let's be clear but about that. He, he's the next guy up. It's not Dario Gunbawale or Rex uh, T-Rex Extinct Burkhead, whatever the name nickname I gave him many, many <laughs> years ago. He's like 40 years old. But uh, Freeman against the Jaguars. And we'll talk about this game a little more when we break it down. But there's reason to believe Jacksonville might not go full out on offense and defense here. Oh, for um, sure. Um, so Freeman, Doug Peterson says he's going to go with his starters. Well, he's going to start them. Right. Yeah, how long they go, we shall see. Uh, we'll talk about that a little more. But Freeman up against likely a mainly JV Jacksonville squad. Uh, Freeman looking at at least 15 touches in this game. The Jaguars are allowing nearly 130 combo yards and a touchdown per game to opposing running backs. And uh, as I've alluded to, I suspect uh, they take some precautions on defense as they prepare for King Henry in Week 18 as they, they uh, go for the AFC South Championship. So, uh, Royce Freeman, roll him out. Tyler Algier has my highest ranking of his entire career. Well, granted, he's only rookies. I mean, it's really all year. Um, in the two weeks since Atlanta's bye, Algier has turned 35 carries into 213 yards and a score. That's a pretty good two weeks. Top, by the way, five receptions as well. Um, Atlanta, get this, and I never would have seen this coming. Here we are at the end of the year. Atlanta has Pro Football Focus's number one ranked run blocking unit. Hmm. Ha! Who'd have guessed? Algier has racked up five straight 50-yard performances, so we can feel confident about him going there. And for three straight weeks, he's playing Arizona. For three straight weeks, Arizona's given up 100 rushing yards to opposing running backs, and they've given up four rushing scores in those three weeks. So... Uh, this is a very, it's a great opportunity. By the way, Atlanta's best run stuffer, uh, Zach Allen, may not play this game. So another reason to like Tyler Algier. Hmm. Uh, Matt, I believe you have a wide receiver this week, not tight end. Nope. It's a tight you, end. You, I you remember get it wrong every time. John, John o. Smith. I, I pivoted about. to a tight end in the same game. Oh, okay. Mike Kosicki on the other side. Oh. Yeah, Mike Kosicki, who's done nothing all year, except for the games Teddy Bridgewater has played. Oh. Uh, in the game against Minnesota... He was targeted a season-high seven times, caught six balls for 69 yards and two scores. Gasicki's third-highest target total came in Week 4 when Teddy Bridgewater came in for an injured Tua and played most of the game against Cincinnati. The Patriots have actually allowed the fourth-most touchdowns to the tight end position. I mean, the ghost of Darren Waller and Mitchell Wilcox put up mm. okay fantasy days against the Pats in the last two weeks. It's a sneaky harpoon Kind of sea dart grade for Mike Kosicki. Ow. Your take a chance on me receiver, Brian. 
I'm going tight end too, but I got a better one. Uh, Jordan, what? Houston's Jordan Aikens. <laughs> That's not better. The Jaguars. <laughs> I think it, it is. Might be. Now, now we all know about the tight end basketball player connection: Tony yeah, Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, yeah. Jimmy Graham, Jelani Woods, my guy. Did you know that Jordan Aikens was selected in the third round of the 2010 MLB draft what? by the Texas Rangers? Oh, no, I didn't was. know that. As an outfielder, things wow. obviously didn't pan out for him too well playing baseball. He, he went back to college, played college football. But, yeah, he was a minor league baseball player for like three or four years. But, anyway, he's a pro football pro football player now. And uh, going up against the Jaguars, who over their last six games, opposing tight ends are averaging six and a half catches and 79 yards per game. And they've also surrendered Jacksonville, that is, five scores to the tight end position over those last six games. And, again, I think we see some – Second or third stringers on defense, so Jordan Aikens. If you need an all-or-nothing dart throw, DJ Chark is your guy. He has scored or topped 98 yards in four of the past five games. I would like a score and or 98 yards. Mm. So this is a a Chark throw? A Chark throw. DJ. You don't have a button for that. I really don't. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm like, how do I find a shark dart combo? There's a splash right next to the dart. That's a good point. There's your harpoon right there. Yeah, we could do that. You're going to jump the shark. And a matchup with Chicago. Very tempting here. I already mentioned the Bears are without starting cornerbacks. Jalen Johnson and Kendall Vildor. And Kyler Gordon's going to move to the outside. 23 and a half. Kyler Gordon's move to the outside. Last week, it was his first start on the outside. He gave up a 100% completion rate and a touchdown in his coverage. Mm. DJ Chark, our guy. Let's go back to the matchups. Arizona takes on Atlanta. Brian, Arizona is going to be helmed by David Blau in this game, <laughs> and I can't believe there's much to like here. Yeah, yeah David Blau. That's DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, coming up lame on Friday. That's not good either. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about. I was going to do a, a Mr. Blau, Mr. Plow Simpsons joke, but oh, I'm not going to. Can you sing the Can you sing right. the theme song? He's David Blau. That's his name. That name again is David Blau. <laughs> well He's done, on the bench. My man. Mm-hmm. He's nice on the bench, God. though. Uh, sadly, my notes are funny. It's like Colt McCoy, X, Trace McSorley, cross out. David Blau. Like who else is next? Jake Plummer coming out of retirement? No, it's David Blau. But he's on the bench. Uh, as is Marquise Brown, Greg Dorch. They're on the bench because of Blau. As you mentioned, DeAndre Hopkins added to the injury report on Friday with a knee injury. <sighs> if he goes, I'll give him a C. He'll he'll still see his volume. Just one catch for four yards last week. Mm-hmm. That was on ten targets. He's still going to get his like ten targets. So yeah, but temper your expectations. You're probably not going to get elite level production from Hopkins, and it's not a great matchup either, especially because he'll be facing cornerback AJ Terrell, who's been uh, outstanding over the last month or so allowing fewer than two game, two catches per game and a passer rating of 65. So, yeah, Hopkins is a dicey dicey start, but if you must, uh, he gets the C. James Conner, not so dicey, though. Going to give him a B. Atlanta is allowing 135 combo yards per game. They've only surrendered one total, total touchdown over the last four, but during that same four-game span, Conner has been a workhorse with touch totals of 28, 21, 19, and 22. Even in a lost season, the Cardinals are using him as a bell cow, so I like Conner with a B. And I like Trey McBride uh, enough to give him a C. Over the last four games, opposing tight ends have totaled totaled at least 50 yards and at least one touchdown against Atlanta in each game. You think Blau would kind of lean on his tight end here. So if you're super desperate, go with Trey McBride. Uh, Wait, if I was super desperate, I was going with Jordan Akins a minute ago. No, Mike Kosicki. If you're not able able to uh, Uh, secure Akins. Yeah, because Jordan Akins is on all those rosters. (laughs) Right. He, he used to play baseball, man. That's impressive. It's like uh, Deion Sanders going back to Atlanta there. Uh, 
Over to the Atlanta side, speaking of Tyler Algier, your take a chance on me running back charge, a great matchup for him. For that reason, I'll, I'll throw a, a, another C dart at Cordero Patterson. Only nine touches last week, I but he had double digit, but he had double digit touches in his four games prior. And this just feels like a game where the quarterbacks aren't going to be asked to do much. So I'll give mm-hmm. Patterson a C, but it's really kind of like a daily a daily dart, not a seasonal dart. Uh, Drake London just a C for him as well. He's been fed uh, some spotted D over his last three <laughs> games. <laughs> that was off the top of my head. Uh, with target totals of 12, 11, and 9. You just broke charge, Brian. <laughs> King Ralph. That's the only reason I know what that is. It's because of King Ralph. <laughs> classic. Classic John Goodman movie, by the way. Uh, where was I with Drake, Drake London? Uh, 12, 11, 9 targets. Yeah, he's got at least six balls in each game <laughs> with at least 70 yards. But the Cardinals have allowed just two 70-yard receivers over the last seven games. So for, just the C for London. Uh, Mike, Mike Cole Brewitt on the bench. I miss you, Kyle Pitts. Desmond Ritter on the bench. And that, that's it for this awful, uh, awful game. We've just got a couple of minutes. Let's see if we can quickly get through Miami at New England. Matt. Uh, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater was my take-a-chance-on-me thrower. And Mike Gesicki was my take-a-chance-on-me catcher. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle getting A grades in this one. Jalen Waddle, by the way, hit 21.68 miles per hour last week in his, tight, his touchdown catch. Yeah. Fastest speed recorded by any player this season and the sixth fastest speed clocked in NFL history. Dang. Yeah, and everybody assumes Tyreek Hill's the fastest receiver on the team. He's not. No. But but Hill caught up to him, by the way. <laughs> he did, and then probably didn't block anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's just ridiculous. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson are both on the bench for me. If you can figure out this South Florida timeshare, maybe you can help my grandparents get out of their <laughs> South Florida timeshare. Eight carries for one last week, nine for the other. It doesn't even matter who got what. Snap count's almost even, and the Patriots' defense has allowed four total touchdowns to the running back position all year. Land, sea, air, space, underground mole people, tunnels, all that. Uh, If you're a Ramondre Stevenson team manager, you're probably not in the championship this week, and I'm raising my hand, too. Uh, 15 touches for 33 yards last week. That was a mess. This week, he's been limited in practice with an ankle injury, but the Pats need to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. And this matchup is good for Stevenson because he's the pass catcher. Uh, Stevenson is fourth in the league in running back receptions, and the Dolphins have allowed the seventh most receptions and receiving yards to opposing backs and the most receiving touchdowns in the league to running backs. Damian Harris is going to be active. That's the the fly in the ointment. He's totally off the injury report, and I'm a little bit worried, like fresh legs, Damian Harris, that they— They pivot to him. I, so I'm I'm not going to play Harris, not in a championship yeah, week for prob- sure. You can't. But uh, the, the effect on Stevenson could be significant. Yeah, so I, I had Stevenson as a B, but it's probably more of a C grade in this one. Mac Jones also gets a C grade. It's a great matchup. Last time Jones faced a bottom five pass defense, he torched the Vikings for 382-2. and two. Miami's defense, bottom five in every category against the pass. And I think this is a high-scoring game, so Jones is kind of startable. Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne both get C grades as well. It's worth noting that both Janu Smith and Hunter Henry could miss this game with a concussion and a knee injury, respectively. And Tyquan Thornton, who was on the field for 93% of the snaps last week, missed time in practice this week with a knee injury as well. Kendrick Bourne targeted nine times last week for six catches, 100 yards and a score. And Myers was back to form as well with six catches of his own for 83 yards and a score. Yeah, fluky score. Yeah. I think Hail Mary. Yeah, I think yeah, that was that was a fun score. But they're both C grades if you need some help. 
When we come back, Denver takes on Kansas City. Obviously, you're starting Patrick Mahomes and you're starting uh, Travis Kelsey. But which other Chiefs do you go with in the championship game, including Juju Smith-Schuster? Is this one of his rare games where you want to put him in your lineup? Does Jarek McKinnon stay hot? Find out when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Matt Harrison and Brian Johnson with you. Denver takes on Kansas City, and against all odds, there's a couple of Denver Broncos you can think about starting here. No way. I know. Uh, let's start with Latavius Murray, who did nothing in the Week 14 matchup with Kansas City. But you get volume with Murray. Uh, you don't get a lot else, and this is a matchup with a good run defense. Chiefs allow the eighth-fewest rushing yards, but they give up the most receptions and the fourth-most receiving yards. So maybe Murray chips in a couple of receptions here, which is usually good for since Melvin Gordon's departures, a couple receptions. I just have the C grade on Murray. You're hoping for a touchdown, and that's really a touchdown in like 50 rushing yards and 12, 20 yards through the air. That would be about it for Murray. Uh, let's talk about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Both C, By the way, C grade on Murray. C grade on Judy and Sutton as well. Judy scored three times against Kansas City when they met three weeks ago, and he'll face Legereus Sneed in the slot. He's allowed the fourth most receptions, 11th most yards, and fifth most yards after the catch. It's such a powerfully positive matchup for Judy. I'm giving him, the, I'm giving him a starting grade here. As for Sutton, if you exclude his injury-shortened Week 13 game against Baltimore – 
Cortland Sutton has produced at least five catches and 64 yards in four straight games. So he's been active and he's been good, and he's got a favorable matchup against rookie Joshua Williams on the outside. This team's probably going to have to pass a lot. So Judy and Cortland Sutton, C grades. Now, on the Broncos' side, or sorry, on the Chiefs' side, you may be thinking the Broncos' Chiefs just gave up 51 points to the lowest-scoring team in the NFL and that everybody would be a plausible starter. But on the balance of the whole season, the Broncos' defense has at least been pretty good and their secondary really good. Obviously, you're starting Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, obvious A grades, and they're both my number one ranked players at their position this week. Um, no other receivers get a starting grade here, including Juju Smith-Schuster. His, uh, his past seven games, he's averaged 55 yards, and he's scored once in seven games for Juju. On the semi-bright side, his lone touchdown in that span did come against the Broncos in Week 14, but that's the only receiver score Denver has given up in their last month of games, and I don't think he's going to do it back-to-back, and he's going to get stuck a lot on Patrick Sertan, and that is a bad matchup against Pro Football Focus's third-highest-graded cornerback. Jarek McKinnon, one of the great calls in recent ma- recent history of this show, Matt mm. Harrison, nailing him a month ago, urging people to pick up Jarek McKinnon, who was at that point available in like 90% of leagues, and all he's been sure. is fantastic since then. He has scored a receiving touchdown in four straight games. He gets a B grade. As for Pacheco, over his last seven games, Pacheco's averaging 91 total yards per game with at least 68 yards in each. The Broncos have been terrible against opposing running backs, which is why I like both McKinnon and Pacheco, allowing 169 total yards and two touchdowns per game to the position over the last three. And um, McKinnon was responsible for a big chunk of that damage with his breakout receiving game, a two-score game when these teams met three weeks ago, including that crazy that. I don't know, that pass from Mahomes that was like, you know, practically mm-hmm. behind his head. So there you go. B grades on McKinnon and Pacheco. Let's go to our next matchup, which is Carolina taking on Tampa Bay, Brian. Yeah, for the uh, essentially the NFC South title. These teams yeah. first met in week seven, starting on the Carolina side. I'm going to give Dante Foreman and Chuba Hubbard both a C. So prior to last week, we were singing the praises of the Lions' run defense. Yeah, they have been fantastic. Too legit to quit, all that. Then Foreman goes off for 165 yards and a touchdown. Hubbard adds 125 on 12 carries. They were, I think they were both over 100 at half. Yeah, it it's was like insane. D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart oh, are back here. I like that. So, uh, now the Bucks don't present the best matchup on paper, but over their last three games, opposing backs have averaged 140 combo yards and totaled three touchdowns. Foreman had uh, over 140 combo yards in the first meeting. I like him a little more than Hubbard. He seems to get a, little, a few more touches, but I'll give both a C here if you're, you're in need of a running back. DJ Moore has become a very strong start since Sam Darnold has been back at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Going to give him a B. He has at least 70 yards and a touchdown reception in three of Darnold's four recent starts. I mentioned this earlier. The Bucks could be without starting corners, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. They could be without two starting safeties. Davis, uh, Carlton Davis would be a huge loss for Tampa Bay, and I would give DJ Moore an A, actually, if Carlton Davis sits. Moore actually had a good game when these teams first met when Davis and Dean were healthy. He had seven catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. That almost feels like a floor for Moore here. So a, a B, and again, an A if Carlton Davis misses this one. And Sam Darnold, lastly, for Carolina, might take a chance to be quarterback. Let's go Sammy over to the Tampa Bay side. I got Leonard Fournette and Rashad White on the bench. Fournette has been playing hurt. Yeah, but still getting more touches than White. Yeah, that, that's not good. Um, Tackle Tristan Wirfs re-injured his ankle last week for the Bucks. Tackle Josh Wells was put on IR. Tampa Bay won't be getting back starting center Ryan Jensen as they hoped they would be for this week. 
So that line remains a mess. And over the last six games, the Panthers have allowed just two backs to surpass 50 rushing yards. So both both Bucks backs on the bench for me. Chris Godwin not on the bench, though. He gets a B. Continues to uh, have a safe floor with at least six catches and eight targets in all but two games this year. Saw a season-high 13 targets against Carolina back in Week 7, but only caught seven for 43 yards. But uh, since then, every non-Kendall Hinton receiver to see eight or more targets against Carolina has logged at least 60 yards. So a safe double-digit PPR floor for Godwin. Uh, safe floor has not been anything Duh. that you can associate with Mike oh, Evans what a disaster this season. season. Uh, I'm going to give him a C, though, only because Carolina corner, standout Carolina corner, J.C. Horn uh, will miss this game. Only reason I'm giving Evans the starting grade here. When these teams didn't met in Week 7, Evans did have nine catches for 96 yards, and that's also the game he dropped that, like, would yeah, be wide walking. open. Yep, I, I remember well. 60-yard touchdown. Uh, and he, his downfall kind of started there <laughs> this mm-hmm. season. But uh, it, it's a better matchup with Horn out, and he had a good game last week. So C for him. Kate Otten, he is on the bench for me, a tight end. There are better options. We've mentioned yeah. several so and far on this show. up, too. And uh, lastly, Tom Brady. I will throw a C at him just because J.C. Horn is out. 290 scoreless yards in the first meeting. Should have been more like 350-1 and one with that Evans drop. But uh, th- that massive ceiling for Brady has vanished. You probably have better options out there just to see for him. For the Jets taking on Seattle, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, you already told us you like, and I agree, Zonovan Knight, very nice matchup. The passing game, Seattle's a much tougher pass defense. They do get Mike White back. What do you make of this one? Kind of. I mean, Mike White's averaged 317 yards per game this year in his starts and finally found an online doctor who cleared him of his rib injury. (laughs) Uh, The Seahawks have allowed multiple touchdown passes to six of the last eight quarterbacks they've faced. Mm. The only two that didn't hit that mark, Sam Darnold and John Wolford. So Mike White, in my opinion, gets a B. And Garrett Wilson, he's back to an A grade with me with Mike White and even in what seems like a tougher matchup. So Tariq Woolen has been the Seahawks' only like super great cover corner. He stays completely on the right side of the field, and even he has allowed five touchdowns in his coverage over the last eight games. Wilson moves everywhere about equally, so he'll find advantageous matchups against slot corner Kobe Bryant and left corner Michael Jackson, neither of which are as good as the Black Mamba or the King of Pop. Jackson, <laughs> pro football focus is number 96 corner, Bryant number 110. Uh, it makes me feel, I got Garrett Wilson in a few leagues. That makes me feel better about him going. Thank you. Kenneth Walker, uh, limited in practice Thursday and Friday with an ankle injury. Didn't practice at all last What's week. Oh my gosh. Uh, He did play last week after not practicing at all and had 28 touches and 105 total yards. He's going to be fine. I'm going to give him a solid B against the Jets. It's a Uh, good run defense. It's a little bit tougher than average, but Travis Etienne managed 112 total yards last week, and the Detroit running backs, they had 139 combo yards the week before. So Mm. I think Walker gets almost all of it because all the other running backs are hurt there. Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, it's probably all Walker. Yeah, Uh, DK Metcalf and... Tyler Lockett. Uh, looks like Lockett might go this week after having surgery on his fractured left index finger only 11 days ago. He still has stitches in the finger, but he's trending the right way. In the last month of games, each of them are averaging about nine targets per game and about six catches. Problem is, Sauce Gardner and the Jets secondary have been awesome. Since week five, here's the list of wide receivers who have scored. Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Byron Pringle, Justin Jefferson. That's it. Wow. In 11 games. I didn't think Byron Pringle and Justin Jefferson would ever. They're, they're always the in the same circles. You know, yes. they're everywhere together. In that span, no wide receiver has topped 100 yards. So I'll give Metcalf, Lockett, and Geno Smith 
just to see in the Geno Smith revenge game. This is his first ever start against the team that drafted him. He has thrown for multiple touchdowns in 11 games this year. However, the Jets haven't allowed multiple passing scores since week three. Uh, Last guy I'll mention, we got a ludicrous alert as I'm going to give, give Noah Fant a C. The Jets have allowed the seventh most receptions and yards to the tight end position. And Fant is healthy, has scored in two straight. So if you're in the tight end wasteland, Noah Fant is way better than those dumb tight ends Brian mentioned. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Brian. I'm sure they're not dumb. No. One played baseball. I understand one did play baseball, which is very, very important. Jordan Aikens. Jordan Aikens. Are you crying? No. I was (laughs) yawning about how boring those tight end recommendations. No, I just uh, noticed this. Sorry. Uh, back to the Panthers matchup yeah. really quick. J.C. Horn, their best cornerback, not I playing. Are. They yeah. elevated Josh Norman from their practice oh, squad. Shut up. Did you know back? Josh Norman was on Carolina's? No. no he's back. I didn't know he's they back threw him the on the practice squad? I hope he's wow. got his baseball bat with him still. Remember that baseball bat game against the Giants? Josh Norman. <laughs> uh, OB, no. We brought a baseball bat out like pregame. Oh, you remember that? <laughs> no. Oh, we need more it antics happened. like that. It yeah. happened. Yeah, they, everybody's very conservative now. Yeah. Josh Norman was great in those days, but one more yeah. game, Josh. Who's your Who's the starting quarterback next week for Tennessee in our final moments of this hour before hour number two starts? You got to hope they paced Ryan Tannehill together, right? No, he's on. It, it's done. He's done. Yeah, hmm. I think it's Dobbs. I think it's Dobbs I mean, too. He I had to he like absolutely good. wet the bed on Thursday night, and he didn't. Right? They let him pass thirty nine times. Yeah, Malik Willis doesn't get half that. I mean, it's it's going to be forty carries for Derrick Henry in that game, though. It's all or all you or nothing. So? Uh, maybe I don't. Know. Maybe I thought he looked all right, and that's you know, if, if Malik Willis. You know, there's a reason they never let him pass, and that they elevated Dobbs here, despite the fact he only been on the he been on the Lions like eight days before that. Do you think Malik Willis ends up going the Jamarcus Russell route and becomes a wide receiver somewhere? Oh. Jamarcus Russell, or not Jamarcus. Not who is who is the wide? The Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor. Yeah. Getting my Raiders maybe. quarterbacks maybe he's, maybe mixed he's meant up. To be a running back. Maybe that's it. When we come back, three tough questions, including some forward-looking questions for next year. When we return to Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fantasy Football Weekly, Paul Charchian, Matt Harrison, and Brian Johnson with you. It's Championship Week! Again, this is our final long-form, over-the-air version of Fantasy Football Weekly, but we continue every week on your favorite podcasting platform. We encourage you to subscribe. It is Week 17, Charch, but should it be Championship Week? Ooh, great question! Let's find out! Question number one. With all the turmoil this week, should fantasy championship games be played in weeks 16, 17, or 18? We begin with Matt Harrison. Well, not 18 for sure, because that's just crazy talk. Yes. Uh, I'm still fine with week 17 with the added seventh playoff team in the NFL. The top teams are usually still vying for the number one seed, like the Eagles are this week, like the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bengals kind of are this week. Uh, And... With the seventh wild card or the third wild card, there's there's just extra spots for everybody. So there's tons of teams that are still relevant. So I'm fine with either 16 or 17, but I prefer 17 because we get one extra week of fantasy football. All right, Brian. With all the tumult this week, fantasy championship games, should they be played in week 16, 17, or 18? Uh, obviously, this is only the second season. We've had this 18-week season, so it made sense to say, okay, we'll play fantasy through week 17, because in the past, we would always say, you know, week 16 should be the last week for fantasy football, and there's 17 weeks. But after this year, I'm going for, let's go back to 16 weeks, and we'll sit out these last two weeks when it comes to seasonal formats. We've got our daily fantasy, daily drafts, gambling in the last two weeks, week 17 and 18. There's enough shenanigans going on here in week 17 where we're almost throwing out what has happened in these previous 16 weeks in a lot of leagues. I know that's going to happen in fantasy football. It's not the perfect game, but I'm good with 16 weeks. So I'm going to, that's my answer. I don't like that so many players are hurt at this time of the year. And the NFL never should have extended the season by a week. I mean, you know, this everybody, you know, all the, these quarterbacks are all getting hurt. This was a, it was a hundred percent money grabbed. It had nothing to do with player safety. I don't like that they added the week, the extra week. So just editorializing for a minute. Now, last year, we didn't have any issues at week 17. Everybody was playing a week 17 championship. We didn't have any issues. This year, we have one team, Tennessee, mm-hmm. that clearly and obviously tanked, although their team played shockingly well um and it was a team that entered the week completely battered by injury that really ha- and it had to take a confluence of events like the week 18 matchup being for all the marbles and it was a short week for them too uh, that's a good point yeah i'm not sure i didn't, didn't factor that into my head 
Um, you know, we've got a finite amount of fantasy season, Matt. This is to your point. The NFL's shorter than the NBA, the NHL, the MLB season, and people love fantasy football. They want to play. I don't want to I don't think Derrick Henry resting is enough of a reason to make fifty million people play a week less of a game they love. At least not yet. <laughs> but if this you know, if we see this if yeah. this is more than just a one off, I will reconsider this and I will also consider a week sixteen seventeen combo. I do like the, the two-week playoff matchup. The two-week a little playoff bit. matchup is a possibility as well. Tough question number two. This is our last over-the-air two-hour show for this year. Also, this is the best time to introduce rule changes for next year. When everybody's engaged and they're thinking about the league, when you're trying to get this done like next May, everybody's not really in a fantasy football frame of mind. What are the rule changes every league should consider for next year? We begin with Brian. Well, this is kind of in the same vein as your combo, your proposal for a combo week seventeen, week 16, 17 championship. I think when you get to your final four uh, in your league, whether you start with four teams in the playoffs or you start with six, whatever, but when you get down to the final four in those last two weeks, you kind of go an all-play method where either you're not head-to-head, it's not two, two head-to-head matchups, but either the top two scoring teams – whether they're playing each other or not, advance to the championship, or you do a cumulative score over those two-week periods, and then the highest-scoring team among the Final Four wins your championship. Because to be the one seed and get knocked out by a four-seed four who get a four-better seed, I know that happens, and it sucks. I've been on both ends of that stick. Yeah. We all have That happens all the time. It happens all the time. But I just kind of like the all-play scenario when you get down to your Final Four, whether the top two advance after the first week of the playoffs or you go the— the combined score of all the teams between the, that two-week period and the top scoring team. Right, so no matter, it doesn't have to be four teams. It could be any number of teams. You're saying just advance the top with, half. With, with four teams, it's best, but yeah. I've got one that's right on that. Just a little tweak, just a little different. And, Charge, maybe you might feel this. In your playoffs, your number one seed should always get to pick their opponent of the available teams left. And in one league, I got to pick my opponent uh, that that I run. Charch, you got to pick your opponent in one, one of my and, leagues and like I, this, I, too. And I know I lost. Had I, did I pick wrong? You picked wrong. Oh, uh, but it, it, it's kind of a fun... You don't get much of an advantage. There's no real home field for fantasy teams. I think that you should be able to pick your opponent as the number one seed. And if you have enough players or teams in your league, let's say you have an eight-team playoff, maybe your two seed gets to get the next pick of the teams. I I love the idea of picking your poison and maybe having that come up and bite you in the butt during the fantasy playoffs. I didn't want to knock Sam out of the playoffs. That's right. I I didn't choose him, and I should (laughs) have. Sam, he's, he's just too nice of a guy. I know. Right? right. So here's the here are the rules every league should uh, should have. First of all, if you have any veto process in your league, that's got to go. Yep. Get rid of that now. Next, if you're not, and these are the rules. These next, these three, I will not play in leagues that don't have these things. Blind bidding for free agents. It's the only way to distribute free agents. If you're not doing it that way, you are doing it wrong. The last one, the next, well, next one, superflex is mm-hmm. just the way to go. I mean, it's just the quarterback position is almost worthless in non-superflex leagues. You should be playing superflex. Most people still aren't. This is a mistake. Superflex, where you can flex a quarterback, very, very important, and it brings makes the quarterbacks as valuable as the rest of the positions, and it t- totally changes the whole way that that system works. And if you want to just add superflex to your league, don't exchange your flex position 
add a super flex position. Just add another Good. position to your lineup. And lastly, if you haven't dabbled with an auction, it's the most fair way to distribute players, and you should be using an auction. Charge, I still think we should do that whiteboard auction that I came up with last year for a playoff league. we got to do that. Oh, we'll talk about that on uh, on one of our podcast yeah, episodes, I think I'm sure. That may be coming up next week. Yeah. Tough question number three. Since, once again, this is our final over-the-air two-hour show, who's going to be the first overall pick? Who should be the first overall pick next year? Matt. It's incredibly tough for me to get away from Travis Kelsey. Uh, He's proven to be the difference maker in fantasy football. Uh, The difference between Kelsey and Hawkinson or Kittle, one of which is number two in most formats, is about six PPR points. That's an extra touchdown per week. Nobody else comes close to that difference. Yes, he's turning 34 next October, but the Chiefs don't have somebody who's just going to pop up and take that wide receiver one position like Tyreek Hill had. So it's very likely that Kelsey is Patrick Mahomes' top target again next year. Brian, who should be the number one player taken in next year's drafts? Yeah, we've always said we, we, we fear the cliff in a lot of instances. You'd rather get out a year early. With mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey, I'm willing to go off that cliff. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to Thelma and Louise with Travis Kelsey. Yeah. That's right. Like, <laughs> basically, the only player I'll go Thelma and Louise with is Travis Kelsey. I will throw this out there. That is my answer as well. But I think next year we see, and in one quarterback leagues, we'll see Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts and maybe even Patrick Mahomes going the first round. We'll see a lot more people reverting to not zero running back, but doing the opposite. It's, it's finally coming in vogue. It's only taken me 15 years. I mm. think average ADP will only see Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler going in the first rounds as what? running backs next oh, year. I don't agree with that. Well, but if, the, if you are, people that you're are doing it wrong. So blinded yeah. by running backs, they will, there, there will be more than two that go in the first round. Those should be the only two. I should say Barkley borderline. Only because of, I couldn't get myself to do Travis Kelsey, who I think should go second because of the age, and I mm-hmm. just I feel like I'm, I feel like the end is the end is nigh. So I'm going Justin Jefferson, who I think will end up being the consensus first player off the board by going wide receiver. You avoid the pitfalls that come with the running back position. Just ask the 99 percent of people who took Jonathan Taylor mm. first overall this past year, but he was so safe. Or the 99% who took Christian McCaffrey with the first pick the year before that. Or the 99% who put who picked Christian McCaffrey the year before that, too. Mm-hmm. We could keep going by. By the way, we had, by the way, it was Saquon Barkley the year before that. We could keep doing this. People are so locked into just taking last year's best running back first overall, but everybody's been burned. And I think they're finally going to go to Justin Jefferson, a player not just on a Hall of Fame trajectory, He's literally on a trajectory to be the best wide receiver in the history of the league. He's never missed a game, and his quarterback has never missed a game. Fantasy players, I think, I want to believe, are going to make the right decision with the first pick next August and take Justin Jefferson. Can't blame you. Let's work in one more matchup. Chicago at Detroit. We begin with Justin Fields. An A grade, Detroit has surrendered the fourth most passing touchdowns and the third most passing yards per game, so Fields should be able to chip in one to two touchdowns with his arm here. And when these teams first met in Week 10, Fields threw for two touchdowns, he ran for two touchdowns, and piled up 
147 rushing yards in the game. I was going to I thought game. you were going to say he caught two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth noting that Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones and Josh Allen all rushed for at least 50 yards and a touchdown against the Lions this year. So, it, every indication here is monster game coming from Justin Fields. So, what about his receivers? I just said I think he's going to throw one or two. So, to whom could they go? Let's talk Cole Komet who finished with 74 yards and two touchdowns in the first meeting with the Lions week 10. Uh, Komet doesn't have any much competition for targets these days, and the Lions have surrendered a healthy three tight end touchdowns in their last four games, so I've got a B grade on Cole Komet Mm. and a C grade on the previously mentioned Byron Pringle. Mooney's out. Claypool's hurt. Pettis is hurt. When your chips are down, you turn to Pringle. Oh, yeah, I get it. I know you're salty about his meager box scores, Mm. but he never lays down on the job. Pringle led all Chicago receivers in snaps last week, and he's got a tasty matchup against Detroit. Could you stack him with Justin Fields? DFS players would be wise (laughs) to consider Pringle in stacks with Justin Fields. Oh, there we go. She just let me finish. Oh, sorry. No problem. Pringle won't get his feathers ruffled by a Lions defense, allowing the second most yards to wide receivers, including solid games for other inconsistent fantasy scorers like Terrace Marshall, Jeff Smith, Elijah Moore, KJ Osborne, and Isaiah McKenzie. If they can get it done against the Lions, why not? Byron Pringle. I thought you were going to find some other like wide receivers who had chip names like Steve Dorito or I don't think there are okay. any, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're out there somewhere. Can I Those... give a quick shout out to uh, Minnesota legend um, Mitch Hedberg? <laughs> <laughs> Remember his joke where he goes, uh, uh, he initially I, I, I won't do the voice. He's like I initially thought. I think Pringles initially meant to make tennis balls, but one day when the rubber was supposed to show up, it was a bunch of potatoes. Like, F it. We'll make chips instead. R.I.P. Mitch Hedman. Yeah. Uh, David Montgomery gets a C grade. Khalil Herbert's going to be more involved than he was last week, and that's an issue. Since Montgomery averages about half of the stats and half the fantasy points in Herbert games, prior to getting destroyed by Carolina's runners last week, the Lions have been a great run defense. No back had topped 83 rushing yards, including... David Montgomery, who only got 37 yards on nine attempts in the Week 10 matchup, so I can only give him a C grade here. And for Herbert, I just not enough usage last week. I think he's more just a spoiler for Montgomery than somebody you're going to start in your championship game. On the Detroit side, Jared Goff was my take-a-chance-on-me quarterback. DJ Chark was my take-a-chance-on-me wide receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown, A grade. He'll rebound from a couple of middling games. Chicago is just two weeks removed from allowing 307 combined yards to the Eagles receivers, and they're missing their top two cornerbacks, as I mentioned earlier in the show. Undrafted rookie free agent Josh Blackwell has played 53 NFL snaps of coverage, and he's going to be on Amon Ross St. Brown. That is an extremely plus matchup for him, A grade for him. And then a C grade on DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. It's a pretty positive matchup against a bad run defense in Chicago. The Bears give up the seventh most rushing yards and the second most rushing touchdowns to running backs. The volume here is always a problem for these guys. They split the volume over the past three weeks. Swift averaging just nine touches. uh, Williams averaging 13 touches. And Williams has been bad over the last month, averaging 2.2 yards per carry. But the matchup is positive. So I'll give you a C grade on DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Let's take a break. When we come back, Jacksonville will take on Houston. 
The worry here, how long does Jacksonville play their starters? Doug Peterson says everybody's playing, but for how long? And Houston hasn't become the easiest matchup in the world either. Brian Johnson will help figure out what to do with Travis Etienne, among others, among the Jacksonville Jaguars. Maybe even Dan Arnold, what to do with Dan Arnold. Now that's the the (laughs) championship question right there. That's the tight end we were looking for. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. A big block of matchups coming your way, beginning with Jacksonville at Houston. Houston's played inspired ball. So so good over the last month, they might find themselves out of the number one slot in the draft. But let's start on the Jacksonville side. Yeah, for those who don't know, Jacksonville and Tennessee are going to play in Week 18 for the AFC South Championship. Now, there's a small chance. 2%. chance if Jacksonville wins this game and loses next week, they'll get a wild card spot. But I don't think that's enough motivation to play your starters the entire game. Doug Peterson, as you said, Charge, Jacksonville head coach said the starters will start. I don't know how long they're going to finish. My gut tells me they play till halftime, and that's it, regardless if they're winning, losing, or drawing against the Texans. So I'm proceeding with caution here with the Jacksonville players, starting with Travis Etienne, just to see for him despite the fact the Texans are allowing 172 combo yards and 1.5 total touchdowns per game to opposing running backs. ETN had 114 combo yards when these teams first met in Week 5 on just 13 touches. 
Sadly, I think that's around his ceiling for touches in this one as well. I but, think we but see this, now. To be clear, this is your hunch. This is my hunch. If, if you think if you think hey. the Jaguars are playing the whole game, yeah. if then you're playing ETN the paper smash spot. Yeah, if you think they're just going to run Etienne to the ground in this game, yeah, he's an A grade. Again, I don't think he will. That's your call to make. On paper, a great, great play, but uh, I think they show some caution here with Etienne. So I'm give him just a C here. I do have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones on the bench here. Kirk had had just one catch for 11 scoreless yards in the first meeting. Zay Jones had three catches for 12 scoreless yards. Now, baking in the risk that they sit their starters in the second half, which I think happens, it's still an awful matchup. Teams just don't throw on the Texans, who have surrendered the fewest wide receiver touchdowns this season, just five. Yeah, how about that? You'd never guess. They've allowed just one score to the position over the last seven games, so I got Kirk and Jones on the bench. I will give Evan Engram a C here. The Texans are allowing five catches and 50-plus yards per game. Two tight ends. Engram had six catches for 69 yards in the first meeting. Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts also added three catches for 35 yards in that game. So tight ends do well here. Again, it's a matter of how much Evan Engram will uh, play in this one. I know I'll be using Dan Arnold in DFS. That is for sure. This weekend. What about Snoop Connor, baby? Well, yeah, no, yeah. Snoop Connor and Michael Hasty. They could. I think Hasty is still, but they might choose to rest Hasty. Right. Yeah, you never. This I mean, game. If they're going to rest starters, this why is why. This is one of the reasons run. I don't want any more Week 17 championships. I'm done with that. I want Week 16. It's only taken one year for me or two, really. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, lastly for the Jags, Trevor Lawrence got him on the bench too. The Texans are yielding only 30 pass attempts per game, and they're tied with the Jets for the fewest passing touchdowns allowed. For very different reasons, really, but with the 13 mm-hmm. passing touchdowns allowed. Lawrence had 286 yards in the first meeting, but no touchdowns. Again, I think Jacksonville's better served just saving themselves for the Week 18 game rather than the 2% chance they win this game and lose next week and get the wild card, which is a dead meat spot anyway. <laughs> like, anyway, yeah. Jacksonville, ah, this game is weird. Anyway, over to the Houston side, Royce Freeman might take a chance to be running back. I think he's very viable this week. I think Brandon Cooks. And Chris Moore are viable as well. Hmm. Taking out last week's game against Zach Wilson in the rain, which I think is fair to do. Okay. Uh, when it speaks to the Jacksonville defense, the Jaguars have allowed 13 catches and 160 yards per game to wide receivers over the last four. Five total touchdowns to wide, to wide receivers during that same four-game span. And those numbers are actually sapped by a game against the Ravens as well. Yeah. Who, their wide receivers haven't got a touchdown since like week three. So I like Cooks and Moore here. I like Jordan Akins. He was my take a chance on me receiver. And you would think I would have a starting grade yeah, on right? Davis Mills. I mean, you just told me to start three receivers. For Th- they all have that potential, C-level potential, mind yeah. you. But they're not all going to get there. I just, well, nobody's I just, starting Davis Mills. No one's going to start Davis Mills. But he's another, another you know, a daily flyer you could uh, throw out there. San Francisco takes on Las Vegas, Matt. Brock Purdy has thrown two touchdowns in four straight games. Mm-hmm. Are you calling a fifth two-touchdown game for Brock Purdy? Uh, sure. Yeah, okay. I'm giving him a B grade in this sounds one. Like a actually, B grade sounds like a two touchdown game. Uh, he's not going to wow you with huge yardage numbers. Minimum of 185 and a max of 234 so far. But this is the easiest secondary Purdy has started against so far this year. The Raiders allow 255 per game through the air, seventh most in the league, and they have a league low four interceptions all season. So I think Purdy can air it out here. Um, 
George Kittle, I have an A grade on. He scored twice in each of the last two weeks. Worth noting that Debo Samuel was also out during that time, and Debo's not going to play this week. And with Brock Purdy starting and Debo out, George Kittle is suddenly the top receiver there. In those two games, 93 and 120 yards, and he's averaging over 20 yards per reception during that time. The Raiders have allowed the eighth most receptions to tight ends this year. Brandon Ayuk started to see the Debo absence uptick last week as well. Seven targets, five catches, 81 yards. He was on the field for 97% of the snaps over the last two weeks. The Raiders are an average defense against wide receivers, but have a glaring weak spot in Amik Robinson or Robertson. Pro Football Focus is 124th ranked corner. Both Ayuk and Robertson move all over, but it looks like Robertson will match up with Ayuk most often. So I'll give Ayuk a B here. And then there's not really that much of a need to talk Christian McCaffrey. He's an obvious A. I'm not going to start Jordan Mason in a championship week after he missed last week due to injury. The matchup's good, but it seems just too cute for me Mm -hmm. to get that one fired up. So I do think they're going to be cautious about how much they use Christian McCaffrey in these final two games against very bad opponents with backup quarterbacks. I agree, but the Vikings are playing at the same time. If the Vikings are staked to a big lead, the Niners could rest their starters in the second half because they they well, just they, might need not need not need to. They can to. still catch the Vikings in Week 18. I know, but yeah, yeah okay. I, I don't think the Raiders are going to put up any points in this game. By the well, way, I don't either. Uh, Jared, so nobody start nobody. Pretty much, Jarrett Stidham, the other quarterback, he's not a B grade. He's a B inch grade. Uh, Stidham taking over for Carr. It looks like Carr's time in Vegas is done. Uh, Stidham. Gets to face a top five pass defense in the league in his first start ever. He has played in eight games, but he's never started a game. Mm. Um, And no one's starting Jarrett Stidham in the championship. So how does that affect Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro? Quite a bit, actually. I've downgraded Adams to a C grade and Renfro all the way to the bench. It was a a good matchup when Carr was the quarterback. Niners uh, give up a lot of receptions and yards to the wide receiver position. But Stidham and the fact that we don't really know about how he'll play, who he'll target... Makes them iffy in a championship week. And if you have Adams, you're not in the championship because he had four for 28 and two for 15 in the last two playoff weeks to get you there. So he's probably not on many championship rosters at all. Jared Stidham's track record is horrifying. Yeah, two touchdowns to four interceptions in his career and just over 50% completions. It's pretty bad. It's extremely bad. He's never been involved in a game in which he has thrown for more than 72 yards. Yeah, but those have all been backup roles. He's never started a game in his his four-year NFL career, so this is his first. He'll probably eclipse 72 72 yards. yards. You call him 73? I think so. (laughs) Set the the Vegas line at 73 yards. Uh, And then finally, Josh Jacobs, he only only gets a C grade here. The Niners are the best run defense in the league. No running back has hit the 60 rushing yard mark against San Francisco this year. And during their eight game win streak, they've allowed one total touchdown to the running back position with Stidham in. Why would the, why would the Niners respect the pass at all? They could just load the box against Jacobs just to see for him. All right, final matchup of this segment, Vikings and Packers. Justin Jefferson's an obvious A, but there are other receivers you could start as well, including Adam Thielen. You know, not a guy that's posting explosive box scores at this stage of his career, but and the volume hasn't been great, unfortunately. Thielen's really become touchdown dependent. He has scored in three of the past five games, though, so the touchdowns have been there. Now, Jair Alexander is not star cornerback. Jair Alexander is not going to just shadow Justin Jefferson, 
but yeah, I think he's going to get Jefferson more often than not. And that puts Thielen on a much easier matchup against Rasul Douglas. Not easy, but easier. Douglas has allowed four touchdowns in his last seven games. So there is the hope for a touchdown for Thielen, and that's why he gets a C grade. TJ Hawkinson averaging now, he's up to nine targets per game since coming to Minnesota. He's become the second most reliable receiver on the Vikings and probably the second most reliable tight end in fantasy football. Will TJ Hawkinson be among your top five tight ends next season? In draft season? Probably, yes. I think so. Kirk Cousins coming back? Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably safe Where, where to say. do you think you'll rank him? Above Andrews? Above Pitts? Above uh, Kittle? Yes, yes, probably, because Kittle gets hurt. So yeah. he's probably number two. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I think Dallas Goddard will be two. We'll see. Okay. Um, let's. Packers have only allowed one score to tight ends in the last seven games. That is a worry for Hawkinson. Um, and their rookie, Quay Walker, has been actually very good in coverage of late, and that's a bit of a worry here, too. But still, a solid B grade on TJ Hawkinson. And then lastly, I'll mention Dalvin Cook, who I really like in this one. And I know last week I said he should be a focal point for the Vikings against the Giants. Didn't really work out that way, but he really should this time. <sighs> over the last six games, the Packers have given up seven rushing touchdowns and over five yards per carry. The Vikings have been throwing Kirk Cousins' arm out of socket. They should really be trying to establish the run here. I want to see him get 20 carries in this game, and I've got an A grade and a very favorable matchup for Dalvin Cook. All right, let's go to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I'm going to start with the running game. A.J. Dillon clocks in with a B grade in this one because Aaron Jones just isn't healthy with this ankle. And Dillon's getting most of the work, including five touchdowns in his last four games, and he's getting almost all the goal line work. Jones, um, with Jones and the ankle, Dillon's just healthier and safer. Vikings have been good run defense all year, but they have given up almost one rushing touchdown per game. So I think Dillon finds the end zone here. Aaron Jones, just the C grade, even though I, I love him and I think he's way more talented than A.J. Dillon, but the ankle is just a total wild card, and this is a good Vikings run defense. Now, Jones is a very good receiver. And the Vikings ranked 31st in receptions and 28th in receiving yards to running backs. So Jones could chip in some help through the air here, and that's why he stays viable with a C grade. Let's go to the uh, receivers here, or the, or the passing game at least, starting with Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings have allowed 300 or more passing yards and or multiple touchdowns in eight of their last nine games. Aaron Rodgers has posted three straight multiple touchdown games at home against Minnesota. Um, Rodgers receivers here aren't great, particularly if Christian Watson does not play and he's trending towards not playing. But Daniel Jones just put up 334 yards with Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins, and Darius Slayton. So, you know, I still think it's a very safe start for Aaron Rodgers. B grade for Aaron Rodgers that gets upgraded to an A grade if Christian Watson is able to go. And if Watson does go, it's a fantastic opportunity. The Vikings allow the most air yards, the second most yards after the catch to wide receivers. And Watson, of course, is a serious deep ball threat. And if Watson goes, I think they let him run the exact same route that they ran (laughs) on the the first first play play of scrimmage of this season when Christian Watson dropped a wide open 70-yard touchdown. I think they give him redemption. (laughs) <laughs> if Christian Watson goes, and if he plays, he is a B grade in this game. He would have been an A grade if he were fully healthy. What a difference a week makes. Starting with the, the 
this Green Bay game. It's going to be 40 degrees in Green Bay. That is yeah, tropical. No, no factor. And, and like on the it. East Coast, it's like 60 degrees. Yeah. It's like a 50-degree difference minimum. From last week. Absolutely. From last week. What a difference No weather concerns. Uh, Alan, Alan Lazard's viable here, particularly with Watson le- unlikely to play. Now, he's been almost invisible since Wat- Watson came back. But, again, I don't think he's going to go here pre-Watson. Lazard was averaging a healthy 61 yards and almost a touchdown per game. That's going to be the case here. He comes in with a B grade against this shaky secondary. And then uh, last guy that bears mentioning, Romeo Romeo Dobbs, startable. If Watson does not go, he's had two decent games since returning from injury. And again, every viable receiver is startable against the Vikings secondary, including Romeo Dobbs in this one, Dobbs in this one, and you know, even Randall Cobb, if you want to try to play a little uh, revenge against former Packer slot cornerback Chandon Sullivan, Richie James just worked Sullivan for 70 yards. So, mm. you know, there's an opportunity for Randall Cobb in a pinch as well with a C grade. When we come back, our final set of matchups for the whole year, including the epic Monday nighter, Buffalo taking on Cincinnati. We'll talk you through that game and more when we come back to Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. of two-hour Fantasy Football Weeklies, and we've got three big games left. It's L.A. versus L.A., Matt. Now, what happens when, normally when L.A. plays, either L.A. team in SoFi, it's all filled with opposing teams, mm. fans. 
third-party teams. So what happens sure. when it's Rams-Chargers and nobody cares about either team? Yeah. I think it's going to be an empty stadium. By the way, uh, in Major League Soccer, when the two L.A. teams play, they call it El Trafico. Oh, That's like the name it. of the, the rivalry there. Nice. Uh, this one, just, you know, an underrated Rage Against the Machine album, The Battle of Los Angeles, right? Uh, fire up Cam Akers with a solid B-grade, 118-3 and three on the ground last week against Denver and faces a Chargers run defense that's allowed 5.5 yards per carry, worst in the league, mm. and 124 rushing yards to running backs per game, second worst in the league. I did mention this about a month and a half ago to stash Akers and Kyron Williams to see which one emerged just for this matchup right here. Uh, fire up Tyler Higby with a Higby grade. Uh, Derwin James was concussed and ejected on the same play on Monday night and is still in concussion protocol. He might not go. Uh, and Baker's favorite target so far has been Higby, scored three times in the last two weeks, including nine catches, 94 yards, and two scores last week against the Broncos. I would not go so far as to start Baker Mayfield, though. He's got a pair of 230-yard outings and a 111 in his three games as a Ram. In fact, the Rams abandoned passing the ball a long time ago. (laughs) The last Rams quarterback to throw over just 250 yards was Matthew Stafford in week six against Baker Mayfield and the Panthers. (laughs) So Baker Mayfield was there to see it. That was fun. Uh, the Chargers see the sixth fewest attempts, passing attempts against them because they've been so easy to run on. Plus, Joey Bosa returning to the field this week to apply some extra pressure on Mayfield. Over on the other side, Justin Air Bear, he gets an A grade. Especially, whoa, there he is. Uh, it looks like the Rams will be without Aaron Donald this week. He was He's doubtful. Uh, Similar good offenses have been able to get it done against the Rams, even when they do have Aaron Donald. Geno Smith and Patrick Mahomes each topped 320 yards in just the last month. So I got to like his wide receivers, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. They both get B grades. I'm throwing Josh Palmer back to the bench, though. Allen should mostly line up in the slot against Kobe Durant. Durant has allowed a touchdown in his coverage in back-to-back weeks. Williams likely gets most of the Jalen Ramsey treatment, but Ramsey's not nearly as scary as he used to be. Uh, He allowed five catches for 78 yards in his coverage last week against the Broncos wide receivers, and he's allowed seven touchdowns in his coverage this year. 75 yards and a coin flips chance at a touchdown sounds like a B grade. That's fair for Mike Williams. Uh, Gerald Everett saw the most snaps last week, but did not see a target. So don't start a Chargers tight end. And finally, Austin Eckler. He's been nursing a knee injury this week, but I think he's going to go, and I think he'll be fine. I'm still giving him an A grade here. He has as many receptions this year as Nina has red balloons. That's 99. Nicely done. Uh, He has 16 scores through 15 games. Middle of the pack run defense without Aaron Donald. Hey, Aaron Donald starts with two A's. So does Aardvark, and that's what I'll give Austin Eckler. How, how many Nina balloons? Neun and neunzig. Luftballons. That's two nines right there. I, I bet Dieter von Furzengoat would really like that reference. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next. Hey, that's me. Pittsburgh taking on Baltimore. This is the Sunday night game. Najee Harris has been very good lately, topping 90 yards and or scoring in uh, the last seven games. But this is a brutal matchup since the Roquan Smith acquisition. Baltimore, arguably the league's best run defense, allowing just 3.1 yards per carry with lead backs averaging just 44 yards. 
And they've allowed just one rushing touchdown again since week nine. So it's a terrible matchup for Harris. And he doesn't catch much. He's averaging just one target over the last month. So I can only give you a C grade on Najee Harris, even though he comes in hot in this game. The passing game, you've got all the limitations that Kenny Pickett brings. So I can only come up with C grades for George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth. We'll zip through these guys quickly. Hopefully you don't need him in a championship week. Pickens uh, hit Baltimore secondary for an impressive 78 yards in week 14. And he's currently in a six-game stretch in which he's topped 52 yards five times and crossed uh, the stripe twice, which is a lot for Pittsburgh's receivers. Uh, He's going to face Marcus Peters if he can go through his calf injury, and he's not playing that well anyway, giving up a career-high 116 passer rating in his coverage. C grade for George Pickens. Deontay Johnson still hasn't scored a touchdown, but he has collected 78 yards per game across the last four outings Averaging nine targets in that span. Oh, hey, it's nine, my own nine, nine times nine, right there. We missed a few nine times. We're a little off here I think today. I'm not tired. It's our last one of the season. I know. So that's part of it. Uh, Marlon Humphrey is his matchup most often on the outside. He's a whole, held a, opponents scoreless all season. So Deontay Johnson is not going to suddenly score in this game. And he's allowing, also allowing just 65 yards per game. That's all you're going to get from Deontay Johnson. See, great. Pat Fryermuth, since week 12, he's averaged the fifth most yards per game among tight ends, but he's only scored twice all season. One of those scores did come against the Ravens, though, week 14. So, and Baltimore's not, isn't the toughest matchup on paper. Um, so just to see great on Fryermuth, maybe get a little something done here and you wouldn't start Kenny Pickens anyway. And then a couple of guys talk about for Baltimore, but not many. J.K. Dobbins gets a B grade. Steelers defense has surrendered only 33 rushing yards per game to the Panthers and Raiders backfields over the last two weeks, and those are two teams that can run the ball. Since returning from injury, though, Dobbins seeing an edge of snaps over Edwards, Gus Edwards. He's averaging 13 carries for 101 rushing yards per game, good for almost eight yards per carry. Dobbins has over 100 rushing yards in both career games against the Steelers as well. So we'll put a B grade on J.K. Dobbins. C grade on Gus Edwards. Solid showings over the last three weeks, including running for seven yards per carry himself. But Gus hasn't gotten a goal line touch since Dobbins' return. And the Steelers' run defense is good, as I mentioned earlier. So just the C grade on Gus Edwards. And the only part of the passing game that you care about is Mark Andrews who has now gone eight games without a touchdown. And in Tyler Huntley games, Mark Andrews averaging just 40 yards per game. It'll be hard for him to break out of his scoreless funk against the Steelers, who have allowed only three touchdowns to tight ends all year. Uh, Andrews played Pittsburgh in Week 14, and he caught two catches for 17 yards. So I've only got the C grade on a deflating end of season for Mark Andrews. The Monday nighter, Brian, is... This is the this is an awesome matchup filled with fantasy implications. Buffalo taking on Cincinnati. Yeah, we couldn't ask for a better game to close out a championship weekend. Buffalo highly motivated, going for the number one seed. Cincinnati wants to lock up their division, yeah. so they'll be and potentially get a number one seed themselves. Yeah, they're still alive uh, in that regard as well, so they'll both be going at this one hard. Uh, starting on the Buffalo side, I got Devin Singletary and James Cook on the bench. They're going to be eating into each other's workload in a pretty bad matchup. Over the last five weeks, the Bengals are allowing just 101 combo yards to opposing running backs who have totaled just two touchdowns during that five-game span. So I got Singletary and and Cook on the bench. If you're desperate, go ahead and start one, but I don't see a path to uh, success for either. 
Stefan Diggs, though, I do see a path to success here. I'm going to give him an A, despite slumping uh, recently in some pretty good matchups. Uh, Diggs yeah, hasn't shocking. scored in three straight games, but he could end that drought against the Bengals, who have surrendered five wide receiver touchdowns over their last two games. For that reason, I'll give Gabe Davis a C. Davis has scored in two of his last four, and based on the fact that the Bengals have allowed five wide receiver touchdowns over the last two games, I'll give Davis better than a coin flip's chance here to score. So a C for him. Uh, a C for Dawson Knox as well. Middle-of-the-road matchup for Knox. The Bengals are allowing just over five catches and 50 yards per game to opposing tight ends. That is good. What is bad is they've only surrendered three touchdowns to tight ends all seasons. Just a C for Knox. Josh Allen, though, definitely not a C, definitely not a B. Just going to give him an A. I don't think there's any quarterback you'd start over Josh Allen this week, despite it not being the best matchup. Josh Allen is an easy auto A, auto start. Over to the Bengals side, Joe Mixon, not an auto A, but I'll give him an auto B here. Last week, his 23 touches were the most Mixon has seen since week nine, Uh, but it's a tough matchup. The Bills have allowed the ninth fewest combo yards to opposing running backs. But again, Mixon appears to be back in a bell cow role. Yeah, but he just doesn't look good. I mean, the thing with Mixon, the eye test, he looks plodding. They're giving him the touches, though. I thought it would be much more of a split since he came back with P. Ryan, but they're kind of phasing P. Ryan out. It's kind of like they just want to save one, you know, in emergency break glass. Like, okay, we need a bell cow. I wonder if they're not thinking about running Mixon into the ground and then cutting him in the offseason. Oh, I'm I'm with you there. and It's been a long two years for Mixon. You know, the Mm -hmm. Bengals played an extra quarter of the season last year going to the Super Bowl. But, yeah, I think they run him into the ground in, in this one. So a B for Mixon. I got an A on Jamar Chase. Not going to bore you with stats proving that Chase is elite. That is a known fact. Yep. All that really matters here is if Tredavious White shadows Chase or not. White has allowed just one score and owns a 52% catch rate. That is elite mm-hmm. for a cornerback in his five games since returning from injury. White did have a bad outing against Miami in Week 15 where he surrendered 67 yards and that touchdown I referenced. Uh, since he's offense arguably more electric than Miami's, so either way, uh, an A for Jamar Chase, but the less Tredavious White sees, he better. The, the less Tredavious White he sees, the better. Uh, I think White could uh, cover T. Higgins as well, but I'm going to give Higgins an A here. There's only one Tredavious White, and there's two <laughs> elite wide receivers for the Bengals. The, the Bills have surrendered the 10th most yards per game and 15 touchdowns to wide receivers. That is the fifth most on the season. I, I do expect, like I said, uh, w- White to cover Higgins at times, but Buffalo's other corner. Dane Jackson is very beatable. Jackson is ranked 82nd among corners by Pro Football Focus and has surrendered three touchdowns over his last seven games. So an A for both Higgins and Jamar Chase. And I will give Tyler Boyd a C. You love Tyler Boyd. When I give him a starting grade, he has scored, but the yardage isn't there. I'll only give him the C because the Bills slot corner, Teron Johnson, has allowed the most touchdowns of any slot corner in the league. So in in a suspected shootout, I will give Boyd a C here if you're desperate for wide receiver. And lastly, Joe Burrow, going to give him an A. I just love Higgins and and Chase too much. I should mention uh, Hayden Hurst expected to make his return at tight end, so no more Mitchell Wilcox, sadly. But no Hayden Hurst either. They're both on the bench here. But Joe Burrow is not. He gets an A. Even though they have lost right tackle Lyle Collins, that is a huge loss for the Bengals, but they're really only three or four quarterbacks I would start over Joe Burrow this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, odds are you don't have both on roster in one quarterback league. So uh, No, probably and, not. And A for Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals win this game. What do you think? It's going to be a great game, but I think they Bengals have played it out better lately 
than the Bills have, honestly. So, yeah, I, I, and I hope so, and that keeps things a lot more interesting and fresh, doesn't it? No doubt. The home team. Uh, we were talking before about running backs who might go in the first round. I'm going to just give me a yes, no. I'm going to give you some names. Next year, will this guy go in the first round? Derrick Henry. No. Matt? I think he's a tail end of the first round guy. Me too. Austin Eckler. Yes. Yes. For sure. Christian McCaffrey. Yes. Yes. For sure. Nick Chubb. No. Same avenue as Henry. Late first round guy. I think he's not going to go in the first round. Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he's the, for me, the the only, there's three. It's McCaffrey, Eckler, and maybe Barkley. That's just me. There's going to be seven or eight wide so receivers. So you're yes on Barkley. Yes on Barkley. I believe Barkley's hitting free agency this year, he is isn't too, he? So they didn't pick up big. his fifth year option. It would be interesting to see his landing mm-hmm. place, and I think that that depends on a lot. Like if he ends up in Kansas City or something along those lines, oh my gosh, all of a sudden he's a top three player maybe. All right, what about the highest scoring fantasy running back this year? Josh Jacobs also headed to free agency. Landing spot means a lot, obviously. Yeah, I I don't think so. I I, I, I just feel like there's a lot of skepticism on how he could do this again. And we we've seen this movie before with um De- DeMarco, DeMarco Murray, Murray who got yep. ground up in and his then free to his last year. And yeah, mm-hmm. and he, yeah, Jacobs is going to be somewhat protected wherever he lands up and not going to be like, okay, go touch the ball 25, 30 times again. I'm going to give you one more running back that could possibly go in the first round. Yes or no on Dalvin Cook? No. I think he's a second-round kind of a guy, but I, I think one that you didn't mention, what about Miles Sanders? A, 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 a guy that I've been negative on for forever. Dude, dude has 11 touchdowns this year. He's got more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook on fewer carries. Like, he's right there. Yeah, I think, I think everybody's wised up to the rushing quarterback. I think Justin Fields is going to be a first rounder. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is going to be a first rounder, and Allen. Josh Allen is going to be. They're going to be first rounders this next August. And there's at least seven wide receivers that can be talked can be, about. Can be talked about round. it. Yeah, it's 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 going to be. So we're going to have sure. 17 guys in the first round. I think it sounds okay. that way. Uh, many thanks to my co-hosts, Matt, Brian, Scott Fish, who is not here. This is a very difficult show to pull off. You guys have done it for a long time and at a very high level, and I never take it for granted, and I know our listeners do oh, not Thank either. you. Thank Thanks, you very George. much. Robbie Rosenhaus, who is our usual producer, Max Fuller filling in today. Thank you, Max, uh, Robbie, for all of the all of the help throughout mm-hmm. the course of the season. Thank you very much. And a reminder, Fantasy Football Weekly continues every week of the season. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.